There's an overwhelming amount of financial advice in the news and on social media. Who do you listen to? Are they looking out for what's best for you? How do you tune out the noise? In this podcast, trusted advisors Emily Augusto, CPA, and Amanda Vaught, JD, bring their extensive education and experience to delve into all aspects of personal finance. Emily and Amanda make topics like investing, taxes, and financial planning interesting and accessible. And they provide a framework to help you think through the plethora of financial advice and news out there. Are you ready to start making the best personal financial decisions for you? Welcome to Connecting the Dollars with Propel Financial Advisors. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Emily. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Uh, Good. Hot. Summer's coming. Yeah, it's finally feeling like summer here in Chicago. Um, I don't know. After Memorial Day, it just like really heated up over here. Something something about June. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm excited. We've got plants going and just, I don't know, ready to spend some time in the sun. Yeah, I think... um, that's the first thing I'm doing if I ever move to a house is making a garden. Excellent. I'll come help you. Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, So let's jump into today's episode. We are going to do an episode of listener questions that we have been um, keeping track of over the last few weeks. So um, do you want to kick it off for us, Amanda? Sure. So the first one uh, is about the $600 limit uh, on Venmo and PayPal transactions. Um, And what does that mean? And what's up with the tax treatment of those? Sure. So mid last year, so mid 2022, the IRS said that they were going to start requiring um, peer to peer networks like Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, uh, I can blanking on some of the others to Zell. start Zell, yeah to start reporting 1099 or start giving 1099 k's to anyone who received over $600 through their software and the main reason was to you know with all like the kind of gig economy type of things going on people are being paid through those instead of being paid through payroll or other you know older ways like buy a check things that are a little more traceable Mm -hmm. so they're hoping to capture these legitimate payments for goods and services by issuing these 1099ks the problem is that a lot of these apps are not set up to be able to distinguish between if i'm paying you for financial services or if i'm paying you because i owe you money for pizza or, you know, we went out to coffee or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because people are using these so much, especially I see Venmo and cash app being used, you know, all the times, it's just how you do things these days. Um, it can go over 600 really quickly. So, um, it's creating some issues. There was a lot of pushback from especially Zelle and cash app. So the IRS, in December of 2022 decided like, okay, we're not gonna enforce this rule for that tax season. We're gonna enforce it for, or actually I haven't heard anything different. So as far as I know, as of today, which is June 2nd of 23, um, they are going to start enforcing it for the tax year, 2023. Yeah. 
Yeah. So long story short, if you receive a 1099K and you know it wasn't for goods and services, it was just, you know, for friends, reimbursements, et cetera, you still have to deal with it on your tax return. Um, the IRS guidance is to go, is, they say to go back to like Venmo or Cash App or whoever and ask them to change it, but that's pretty much not likely that they would do that. Mm-hmm. So there will be a way to report it on your tax return and there will be like a checkbox or something, um, some workaround that your tax preparer will know about to make sure that it's not taxable income to you. Yeah. Um, so would you say it's a really good idea to make sure you use that memo line? I mean, yeah. I use memo a lot personally. And so, you know, you can write the reason for the payment. Um, and I feel like that could be good evidence to help support you if there yeah. ever is a question like exactly or just for lunch. Mm-hmm. I know on PayPal for sure there, like when you're paying someone, you can choose goods or services or friends and family, mm-hmm. um, whether that is accurate, that is, you know, they don't know, not saying right. you should choose one or the other, like right. to try right. to skirt the system, but there is a way um, for PayPal to know what it was for. Um, and they're saying that on Venmo, there is a way you can have like a business profile and a personal profile. So mm-hmm. if you are using Venmo a lot for intermingling, you know, actual goods and services and um, payments to friends, see if you can separate those out and create a business profile and just use it for business and um, a personal just for personal. Um, there's still some ongoing like issues with Zelle and Cash App. They're saying that they don't need their I forgot how they put it, but they were arguing that they weren't subject to the new IRS. Um, oh my gosh, reporting requirements. Reporting requirements that works um, for some reason, but I imagine that's either going to be worked out before the 2023 tax season, or mm-hmm. they'll. I don't know. The IRS will find a way to make them do it. So yeah, yeah. So definitely now is a good time to start if you haven't already started separating separating those out. Um, get working on that. But again, if you do receive one, don't ignore it. Your tax preparer will know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, the the one thing I would add that seems to cause some confusion too, is that the, um, you know, because I'm a a lawyer. So on the legal side, it's the definition of income is Mm -hmm. from whatever source derived, you know, is your income tax. So if you got a 1099 from Venmo or another provider or not, if you sold something for $300 on eBay or whatever, that technically is income that you should be reporting on your tax return, whether or not eBay or PayPal sends you a 1099K. I mean, that doesn't change, this new rule doesn't change the legal requirement that you're required to report your income on your tax return. It's just changing the administrative paperwork and uh, the burden on these providers to uh, services to provide it to you, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Just because you weren't getting a 1099K in the first place, it doesn't like the requirements before were that it was $20,000 or more. So if you were receiving like $19,000 for goods and services, you weren't getting a 1099K, but you should have still been reporting that. So Sorry, <laughs> my cat just woke himself up. Emily and our foster cats. 
Oh my okay. gosh. I think that's a good transition. Who's your, <laughs> who's your new foster cat? Uh, uh, this is Marcus. I don't Marcus. know if he'll yeah. be on camera. Um, yeah. If you're listening to this on podcast, you'll have to tune in. Maybe we'll put a picture in our show notes. Marcus he, is really cute. He's very sweet. He's going to be, I mean, we're going to adopt him. We're just making sure he yeah. will get along with our other cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love um, black cats. and I, re- I read that um, black pets, like cats and dogs, are the least likely to get adopted from shelters. And uh-huh. they tend to be euthanized more often than other colors. Um, I know, which is sad. Like, there's some suspicious superstitious thing about black animals for some reason and um i think they're really pretty it's like um you know black beauties yeah the horse or i don't know they're pretty so i'm glad you got a black cat yeah he's great yeah um but anyway i digress a little on the cat talk um if you do want to hear more about cats and financial planning we did do a whole episode on how to think about your budget when adopting a shelter pet but um um, what, um, what is our next question, Emily? Oh, yes. Okay. So the second question we've been getting a lot is, um, like what, what should we do? What should I do as an investor about the debt ceiling? What should I be paying attention to? Yeah. Ugh, this question drives me a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough yeah. one. Yeah, no, but it's fine. And it's like very common, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is like, what's this mean? Right. Cause so many people just don't understand it really. Yeah. You know? And um, you know, I would say you don't really need to understand it that much. I mean, in general, you know, um, it is good to know what's going on. It's good to pay attention to the news. It's good to pay attention, I think, to what Congress and the president are, are not doing as a good, responsible citizen. But as far as um, your investments accounts, you know, I would just say it's one of those things at the end of the day, it's out of your control what happens with it. And it shouldn't really be impacting how you approach your investments or your financial planning. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's always risks out there. And if you've done proper financial planning in advance, this is something that's, you know, just sort of part of it. Yeah. It shouldn't affect your day to day, like how you're thinking about like, should I put this on my credit card? Should I pay for this in cash? Like that's never going to be affected by something that is that far out of your control, like the debt ceiling. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I do think, you know, between that, oh, did I interrupt you? No, go ahead. Um, you know, between that, like the media gets all stirred up about it. Right. And, right. and you know, it's fair. It is a big deal. Um, but between that and the stock market downturn last year and the bond market downturn, you know, there's just a lot of fear out there around the financial system, you know, and the Fed raising rates like crazy and inflation. I mean, it's just one more thing that sort of adds to that swirl of like, Oh, what's yeah, this, you know, that kind of feeling. And, you know, I think it's just we have to watch it. It's a little bit dangerous because if mm-hmm. if people get too afraid, they stop doing what's in their best interest and it, it can be a real hindrance. Mm-hmm. Um, so say- when people ask, you know, what's going on with the debt ceiling, a lot of times it's sometimes it's that that fear that's really driving the question, you know. Yeah. I would say if you can tune out some of the media, like we said, it's good to be informed and, you know, pay attention to the news and like read up mm-hmm. on whatever you're interested in. 
But if it's something that's going to actually drive you to make a change to your portfolio, I would suggest talking to your financial advisor first or talking to someone who can filter that news and kind of make it more personal to you. Like, is it actually going to affect you? I mean, before we were earlier uh, today, we were talking about the fiscal cliff. If you remember that from however long ago, 10 years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. like, do, do you remember that affecting your personal life? Like, I just remember reading about it on Twitter, but mm-hmm. it didn't yeah. really affect me. Yeah. You know, it affected, you know, the ratings agencies who grade, you know, debt, United States debt instruments. I mean, I don't, yeah, that's going to imp- have an impact on the financial system, uh, of sure. course. But day to day, like people, like, you know, whatever. It's a bigger picture thing. It's a bigger that's picture fun. thing. Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, if, if, these are the kinds of things that's making you a little bit nervous and feeling like maybe you don't want to participate in the markets. Um, you know, that's something to talk about with your financial advisor and say, I'm nervous about this. And then, you know, you can help walk people through, okay, you know, maybe your risk tolerance shouldn't be so high. Maybe we can do more conservative types of investing for you. Um, these types of things are important to share with your yeah. advisor. So I don't, in no way want to discourage that kind of question um, by saying, you know, it's fear-based because I mean, those emotions and stuff is what drives a lot of financial behavior and talking it through with a financial advisor um, can help you still stay on track with what's in your financial best interest, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of letting like Congress or the president derail you into thinking, you know, yeah, thinking you're going to do something wrong or like miss out on something. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and we recently put out a podcast talking about kind of the recent economy, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a discussion with David Vaught. And I know Amanda's been putting out newsletters with like some various links to resources and just kind of our take on what's going on and what is important to pay attention to. So hopefully mm-hmm. you're already on our yeah, list. Yeah, maybe we can... I'll link to the, our latest newsletter in the show yeah. notes. Um, um, yeah. Great. On okay. that note, so let's go to the last question. Okay. Well, I guess this one's more of like a kind of a story than a question, but go ahead. Oh, well, so this was just something that has been coming up Um periodically with with new clients or prospective clients um they have portfolios that they've already either invested themselves or have been invested by a parent or a grandparent or it's an inheritance um and depending what it is um we start to see some similar patterns with people right and so one of them that i see i've been seeing is um an emotional attachment to some of these securities in their portfolio, either because it's like a parent or a grandparent picked it mm-hmm. or it's they picked it themselves and they're like, think it's going to be this great investment and maybe it hasn't really panned out that way. Um, but they still have this um, attachment to it. And so mm-hmm. then when they talk to us or as an advisor, they say, are you going to sell it? And then you know, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> you know, right. You're not um, attached to it. So yeah, I'm not attached to it. I'm a third party and rationally look at it and say, you know, based on 
our discussions about what's best for your financial situation and um, your financial goals, like this investment might not make sense to get you to that goal. Um, and then when sometimes when you tell people that, um, you can see it, they have a reaction, like they don't, they don't want to hear it. Um, right. And it's hard. Um, and so I try not to be, I'm not so like, you know, brusque with people when I'm talking about like that, but, um, sorry, there's a big truck right out the window talking. <laughs> um, yeah. It's... Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's just one of those, um, another emotional factor, um, in investing that's driving behavior and people might not recognize it in themselves, but when you're working as a financial advisor and you're dealing with, and you're working with people and you see these things over and over again, it's just one, you know, we, we, we see a lot of. Yeah. Um, there's a few like psychological terms for it. We were kind of talking about before this, uh, we started recording, um, one is the endowment effect. And I like the story you were talking about um, that kind of demonstrated it about uh, people getting a raffle ticket for, or was it kids? It was kids getting a raffle ticket to potentially win this iPad and they had to pay $5 for the raffle ticket. And before the raffle ticket was picked, you know, to find the winner, someone else offered to buy their raffle ticket for $10. So they could have made $5 then um, and just walked away and not had a chance to win the iPad. But the majority of the people wanted to hold on to their raffle ticket. Could it's really, it's worth nothing, but it could potentially be worth more. So it was kind of an interesting way to, to like think about the investments in your portfolio. It's like you have it and it might, plan out someday but the odds are better to just kind of take the money and run as i would yeah right like to say um, take the guaranteed rationally right the odds of you winning the raffle are minuscule mm -hmm. um, the odds of you getting five dollars by selling your raffle ticket to another person are 100 percent. Right. right you can make five dollars not a huge amount but it's better than zero or being negative five dollars right mm-hmm um rationally but the rational side of your brain isn't driving the decision right it's right. like uh the gleam in that your eye right like it could be me um and odds are i'm sorry but it's it's just not you know mm -hmm. um and that stuff is it's hard um until like a third party rational person points it out to you you're like oh i was doing that maybe oh you know like it's hard, that kind of thing so yeah. Um, even recently for me, I was, Amanda was, and I were talking about, we might've talked about this on another episode, but anyway, we were talking about a potential client and how uh, she would um, like demonstrate a particular option for investing to them. And I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, I should do this. So it was kind of just like taking myself out of my own <laughs> portfolio and seeing like, there's a better way to do this that I just hadn't thought of because it's mm -hmm. my money. But when I looked at it from her perspective, when it was like, oh, this is someone else's money, it's like, this totally makes sense. I'm missing out. So um, long story yeah. short, I made yeah. some changes and started <laughs> investing differently. Uh, but it's just really interesting. Like, it's not that I'm not a rational person. It's just that when it comes to my own, 
money, you just kind of look at it differently. Mm, for sure. And I think even, you know, I work as an investment advisor, I invest people's money for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I also have my own portfolio and I ask my colleagues to do it for me because mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah. you know, you catch yourself. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to win big. And I'm like, wait a second. No, I'm not. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not thinking straight about this. And then I asked David, Danielle, what would you do? And like, you know, stop yourself before you, before you do it. Recognizing yeah. it is the first step, right? Yes. So, so um, and I was going to say the thing that we were talking about before was dollar cost averaging, which I was yes. thinking maybe we should do a whole podcast episode on that, but <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to hear about it for that long. But it is the best way to invest your funds. Yeah. Studies show that doing a regular monthly contribution is, is gives you superior investment results instead of accumulated in your savings account and then saying, oh, now I have an extra thousand dollars. Now I'll invest it. It's yeah. better to do a hundred dollars a month for 10 months instead of waiting yeah. 10 months and then putting a thousand in. Yeah. It's, I was going to say this in, in one of the earlier questions, but like yeah. There's never going to be a perfect time to invest. There's never going to be a perfect time to take out your money. Like we're help the what one of the things we try to do is to set people up for those times of uncertainty, whether the market is up or whether the market is down. You'll be able to, <clears throat> um, you know, access your funds and you'll have accumulated enough so that you'll still be okay even if you have to take out money when the market is down or at a you know, bad time. Yeah. So um, you kind of have to take the timing out of it. And dollar cost averaging is, does just that really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it might not be intuitive, but yeah. uh, I think once you see some different graphs and charts um, and look at the numbers, you'll see it. Oh, that is, that is yeah. right thing to do. So that definitely happened to me. Yes. Yes. I glad I got the Emily endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's powerful yes yes uh, okay, okay. Um, should, we, uh, should we leave it there Emily yeah I think um, I think we covered several different things but it still all kind of goes together I mean yeah. the tax question that we talked about at the top like we'll see if that's going to be a big issue for people but if you are someone who uses Venmo a lot or Cash App do pay attention try to separate things out as best you can um and we'll follow the news on that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, talk about emotional triggers, like tackles. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying that word triggered people. <laughs> I know. Tax season is all year, people. It's not just a couple months. Yes. I get used to the yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Oh okay. Well, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thing, everyone. Yeah. Hopefully you found something helpful and find us at connectingthedollars.com for any questions mm -hmm. and extra resources. Yeah, I'd submit more listener questions, please. Yes. We're happy to answer them. Excellent. All right. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. That will do it for this episode of Connecting the Dollars. Nothing discussed in this episode should be considered legal, financial, or tax advice. If you like what you heard, please subscribe for more at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your content. When you do, please give us a rating and a review. To see the links we mentioned in our show, along with other great Propel Financial Advisors content, go to connectingthedollars.com.
You can find our past episodes there and subscribe to our newsletter. And if you're still here because you have a general question, you can email us directly at info at connectingthedollars.com. Or if you're interested in working with us, click the schedule a consultation button on our website. Thank you for listening.